This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the Mark Weber, dub them ease. And if you're wondering, hey, Ricky, you just messed up the intro. It's a throwback to the onside kick this week where I messed up and I thought it was the primetime podcast. But welcome to the primetime podcast. I'm here with the one, the only Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. Had to do it right. Had to (laughs) set up my partner the right way, even though I tried to make a funny before the podcast. And if you're wondering, go check out the onside kick, the beginning of it. You'll get a good laugh here on the YouTube page. But thank you guys for checking out this edition of the primetime podcast. And Brandon... We're chugging right along. We are finishing the SEC today, looking at the SEC East. We're going to look at every single team, all seven of them, give them their own little bit of FaceTime, their own glory, before we move on to our next conference, which I believe is the Big Ten, is what we're going to next week. But we're going to get right into it. Let's start the first team we got on the docket, the Mizzou Tigers, the Missouri Tigers. And they are a team that... Improve like offense is the key to this team for me because they improved their points per game last year by nearly 18 points per game. They have their quarterback coming back, they have offensive weapons in the receiving game coming back, they have their running back coming back. Really, to me, the big thing for this team, the most important thing, consistency on the offense and just improving on those offensive numbers more so than they did in 2016. Well, Ricky, you take a look at this team in the Missouri Tigers, and overall last year they went four and eight and two and six in the conference, and it and it wasn't good. You know, it was not good at all for them. But I think that when you take a look, if you're just looking on the surface and you're just looking at it as you know, you you see that this team, you you know, you gave some numbers there of what they've got, what they've got coming back. You go, this team has to be better than four and eight. Mm-hmm. There's no chance that they're going to be four and eight or worse. And I'm one of those people that says absolutely not because you dive in a little bit more and you start to see that this team is actually progressing quite nicely. So one of the first things is they went from 124th in offense, what they were two years ago, to 13th this past year. You said that they increased their overall points per game Mm -hmm. to 13th this past season. That's really impressive. Uh, Drew Locke, Coming off a pretty big season, uh, over 3,300 yards, I believe, 23 touchdowns. He had a nice year. Only 10 INTs. 10 INTs, but inconsistency. Inconsistency mm-hmm. in some games. He would have some really, really good games, and then there'd just be some duds. Uh, you you want to be able to string those good ones together. Um, you know, you get your top four wide receiver options back. That's huge. I, I think when, when you're able to get two wide receivers or more back, that's such a big plus. Um, when you can keep that core intact from the year before and be able to build on that last season, that's going to have you a lot of times leaps and bounds in front in front mm-hmm. of a number of teams who, unfortunately for them, lost a ton of guys and can't bring and aren't bringing back as many people as you are. Uh uh, Demaria Crockett, I hope I'm saying the first name right, he comes back after a over 1,000-yard season, and their offensive line is all back. The entire offensive line is back that only allowed 14 sacks last season, and their running backs averaged five yards per carry. When you look at that mm-hmm. and everything there, 
the quarterback, the wide receivers, the running back position, and the offensive line. Those guys are all still intact. For someone to say that Mizzou is not going to win at least six games, I say you're crazy. Then you're doing something. Then there's something wrong with the coaching. If you can't win six games with this core group that you still have on offense, now I know we haven't looked at defense yet, and I, but but you I have was to bring them up. You have to offensively mm-hmm. at least be excited and say, you know what. Defense, we still we still we still got to look at them, mm-hmm. but offensively, this team can do it. Well, this team can get you six, even seven wins. Here's the thing, and I'm not going to blame the coaching. Last year, the big hole on this team, the thing that cratered, that was the weakest. Like you are as strong as your weakest link, and that weakest link was defense. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in perspective for you, like how good the offense was. In 2015, Mizzou scored a combined 49 points. Last year, they scored 45 points against Mid-Tennessee alone. Guess what? They lost that game against Mid-Tennessee State. They scored 37 against Tennessee and still lost by 26 points in that game. There were numerous times last year where, I mean, the West Virginia game, that was on the offense. You only scored 11 points, but, I mean, Georgia was close. LSU, you let them score 42. Florida, you let them score 40. Mid-Tennessee, like I said, 51 points. 35 get up against Kentucky. 31 against uh, South Carolina. And 63 points against Tennessee. Those were your losses. And to quote John Madden, whoever scores more points is going to win the football game. Boom. That's how it works. And that's what it's going to come down to for the Mizzou Tigers this year. Because I look at their schedule, and they play teams that most of them are exactly the same. Georgia's getting better. Florida's going to be there again. Tennessee, we're going to see how they are this year because they have some big losses that we're going to get to. But then you have guys like, yeah, I know you beat Arkansas last year. You got them on the road again to end the season. But you got to play guys like Auburn this year. You got to play a big offense and a scoring offense in Auburn. You got to play a team in Purdue that is going to be looking to improve themselves. This team, I look at the schedule, and unless the defense picks it up, I see only two, maybe three wins, four if you're lucky. Like the, the only wins that I see for sure are Idaho. And Mizzou, or Mizzou State, to start the season. The only other ones I could see them maybe getting on top of that are Purdue and UConn. However, if the defense steps up and lowers that points given up, they will be in a lot of the other conference games because the some of the ones they won were really close. However, you look at the Georgia game, you go, Ricky, they only lost by one, one Bounce the ball bounces a different way. We win that game. Yes, I know, but the majority of your of your team last year, your defense didn't help out your offense, and that needs to change in twenty seventeen. Well, I think one of the interesting things that I'm looking at, you know, I know you're you're mm-hmm. you're looking at the defense and Which saying, is you know, weird. It, I'm usually looking at the offense, and I, I I think that I think that you obviously have a solid point. They mm-hmm. they need to be a lot better. I mean, it's um, it it it. it it wasn't good. 
it wasn't good. But you have to look at the two big games that I would look at, both on the road, tough, um, at LSU, at Florida. They scored seven points against LSU. They could only put up seven. Mm -hmm. They only were able to put up 14 against Florida. Now, you're usually not going to win when you only put up seven or 14 points. Unless it's like a 10 to 7 Alabama win over LSU. But you're usually not going to see that. Mm -hmm. You're usually, and especially in a game like that, most likely, you're usually going to see higher score, Mm -hmm. you know, at least into the 20s. Yeah. So if you're only able to put up that many points, that's, yes, defensively, to allow 42 and 40 points, respectively, against LSU and Florida, Mm -hmm. you're you're already kind of um, SOL. But only to be able to get seven points and 21 points combined between those two games, you can't expect a whole lot. That's when the consistency comes in. You know, I I think that you score 79 points against Delaware State, and that's really, you know, it's tough because then the next game you go into LSU and you're like, oh, my gosh, we were only able to put up seven. Yeah, well, you played Delaware State (laughs) the game before. But but you're not able to take anything from that game and – Transfer it to the next game. You know, we've we've talked to a lot of coaches, Ricky, in our day that say, mm-hmm. you know, momentum doesn't necessarily carry game to game. It doesn't necessarily carry. It can. But it, it can, doesn't. but it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that it will. And I think that this is one of those situations where you need to you get a big win. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's against Delaware State or Cupcake County. You need to be able to take that win. Is and, Cupcake County a D one team? D2. Oh, D2. Small D2. Okay. Um, but I, I think that you need to be able to take that and drive mm-hmm. that throughout the week, whether it's the coaching staff, the players themselves, the leaders of the team, captains, be able to say, hey, we got a big one coming up. You know, we may have been able to beat these guys and do it and look real good doing it, but we have a big game coming. And they just need to be all mentally prepared. I think that's one of the biggest things is the mental prep. You know, you you're gonna you know what you're doing. You know, you're you're the starter, you've got a spot in college, you're playing at a you know a, a big school in the SEC. You know what you're doing. You've got to be mentally prepared and ready for what they're going to throw at you. Because these teams, they're just better. They have better talent. And you know that a lot of times going in. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be the better team that day. You need to come out and beat them that day. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, is if LSU ends up being, you know, or Florida whoever ends up being, you know, in the top 10, and you don't end up there, it doesn't matter. If you beat them that day, you got that win. No one's taking that from you. Mm-hmm. So I think that they need more of that. They need more of that style, more of the the grinder mentality um, mentally. And I think that that's a, that's a really big thing. And defensively, I, I think that that will really help defensively. What's also going to help defensively is that they're able to get more pressure on the quarterback. And uh, secondary, secondary I think is going to be a, uh, a big bright spot for them. But up front is going to have some questions. Let's put it this way. I just did the math from last season. If you take away the Eastern Michigan game and the Delaware State game, their points per game is at 22.8. You add back in that 79 and that 61, it jumps almost eight full points. It puts them back up to 30.6 repeating so if you round up 30.7 points per game, you got an eight-point 
spread on your average just in those two games alone. That means if you didn't have those two games, you know that 18 points per game I mentioned at the beginning? Yeah, that's only 10 if you look at the other games that you didn't score 79 and 61 in. And I think it's kind of, we've mentioned good things. The offense, the consistency there, obviously you want to see, you don't want to see the drop-ups of like, okay, we scored 61, then we scored 79, then we scored 7. Ah, we scored 45 against mid-Tennessee, then we drop back down to 21-21 and then 17 in that game against, or 26 in that game against Vanderbilt. We need to see the offense play a lot better, but really to me, the the biggest weak, the weak link on this team is going to be defense, and it's what are you going to do against offenses because, like, I just looked at the ones on your schedule. Jared Stidham's going to be tough. Florida just got a new weapon that they can use in Malik Zaire. Tennessee, they're going to be a toss-up, but then I look at Georgia. Do you see Jacob Eason over 4th of July weekend slinging that ball over the lake? He's no, going to be slinging it no, on I, the football I, field. I, I did not, but I, I honestly, Ricky, I, mm-hmm. I don't really want to focus as much on them stopping the quarterback. They need to focus on stopping the running back. They allowed, they allowed All 20. All they, they, Listen those here, points. listen, 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 listen. This is where the points are going, though. They allowed 20 touchdown runs last season. Mm-hmm. And they allowed their opposing running backs to get five yards per carry. They ranked 118th in total defense. They need to stop the run. Yes, they need to stop the pass. I mean, that's always usually a given. Mm -hmm. But you need to be able to stop that running game. And if they can do that, you, you, I mean, you, if you even limit it down to from 28 to let's say 18, you've gotten better, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but they need to, they need to be able to bring a, a good pass rush. They need to have a strong, Front seven, they need to be able to do that. And if they can do that and they can get into those backfields, they can get some tackles for a loss, that's what they need to be looking for. I, I think that, you know, obviously, you always want to stop the quarterback, mm-hmm. especially those quarterbacks who can who can run. You know, Malik Zaire, uh, we assume that he'll be the starter. Um, there, we'll get to it. But I, I think that, um, I, I just really think, Stopping the run is going to be the number one. Stopping the run for this team is going to be number one. For other teams, you know, mm-hmm. but obviously you want to stop everything. Yeah. But you want to have more of a, a a focus on being able to stop the run because mm-hmm. of how bad you were against it last year. And you know what? If stopping the run, the, the way I'm looking at it is if stopping the run gets you to have your opponents put up less points, then that's good for me. Because yeah. that to me... Is the focus? Yeah, I look at the quarterbacks because those teams are going to have great leaders on the field for them. When you have a quarterback that knows what he's doing, you have that leader on the field. It'll set up everyone else. It'll give them confidence. I think that the games that are going to be the most important for them: Arkansas. You beat them last year. Can you beat them this year? Vanderbilt. Those are two that. Yeah, they were at home for you. Now they're on the road. It's going to be a different game on the road. Kentucky, another road game. And then South Carolina, that one's at home, second game of the season. If they can win the majority of those games that were teams who were bottom feeders along with them in this division, because you look at the records, I'm looking just at conference records, Vanderbilt was only a game better than you. 
and you actually had 20, almost 20 more points per game than them, or 10 total points, I should say, 20 total points than them in the conference. However, you gave up nearly 120 more points than them last season. South Carolina, another team that was only one win ahead of you, and then Kentucky was two wins ahead. So you were right there. It's not like you were completely out of it, but I think if they can swing some of those games, Kentucky, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and just the, keep the offense consistent, get a little bit better there, the defense is the one that we need to see major strides in the defense like we saw in the offense last year. What the offense saw from 2015 to 16, we need to see that kind of improvement in the defense from 16 to this year. Ricky, I'm looking at the schedule for this next year, mm-hmm. 2017. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll go through the ones I think that they're going to get okay. wins. They get wins against the first three teams. They're 3-0 and to start the season. They beat Missouri State, South Carolina, Purdue. So the, you're already started off three wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you get Auburn. Kentucky, I think they beat them. So you got four. Idaho, I think they beat them. Five. UConn, beat them. Six. And then I think you got a chance to beat Vanderbilt. There's seven. And if they threw in any other wins, I mean, that's just, you know, a little extra whipped cream on the uh, ice cream sundae. Mm -hmm. Now, those are the ones I think that they can win. I think that those are all definitely winnable games. Easy, no. Winnable, yes. And there is certainly a difference between those two terms. I, I think that the game against Kentucky on the road will be... An interesting one. Um, Mainly because it's on the road. On the road to Vanderbilt will be Mm -hmm. an interesting one. I think even at home versus South Carolina um, will be a a challenge, will be a test. But I think that uh, I'm just, I'm really intrigued by this offense. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued by this offense. And not to say that it can, you know, overcompensate so much for the, the defense that may be still trying to get their feet underneath them um, after losing some of their top pass rushers uh, from last year. But I, I think that this this team is better than a 4-8 and eight team, and this is a big year for Mizzou. I think that if they are able to make some strides in this season and then carry that you know forward to next year, that could be really big. But if they really stumble this mm-hmm. year, that's it's it's going to be a big blow for them. Well, and we're going to actually move on. we got to move on to the other teams. This is where you guys come in. Mizzou fans, let us know down below in the comment section. What are you excited for the, for this year? What improvements exactly do you want to see from your team in 2017? Then how do you see the season playing out for you guys? Let us know down below in the comment section. But, Brandon, we're going to move on to the next team. we got the Vanderbilt, almost said Vandy, Commodores. Didn't know which way. I wanted to go Vanderbilt or Vandy, so I said Vanderbilt Commodores. And I want to start this one off nice and simple. Let's look at the quarterback position because that's going to be a big kind of spotlight for this season because I know that you have Kyle Schumer who last year showed some positive signs but really struggled. Two-thirds of the season he struggled, then had some big wins against Old Miss, against Tennessee, I think, to me, I look at him as being the one that really has to show I can do better this season because if the quarterback play doesn't get better, Vanderbilt would be my number one, like, they're my number one point of attack for a team that could finish last this year if Mizzou does a little better. So here's the thing. When you're talking about Kyle Shermer, and he did have a good end to his season, um, but he only hit on 55% of his passes, mm-hmm. nine touchdowns, 
10 interceptions. Um, but he does have most of his wide receiver weapons coming back, and he's able to to still be able to play with them. Um, he needs to be able to stretch the field. He needs to be able to connect on third down. So uh, Vanderbilt, uh, a team that usually the big play is not something that they've had in their playbook, um, but they need to find it because they need to be able to stretch the field. They need to be able to convert on those third downs. They need mm-hmm. to be able to get, get better at time of possession. And I think being able to have Shermer be the guy to step up and do that is going to be a big thing. And that's going to be asking a lot more of him. But on this offense, you know, not a ton of it is necessary with uh, necessarily falling on Shermer because last season it, it certainly did not. The The offensive player... I think to watch here is going to be the running back Ralph Webb and uh, Ralph Webb senior. And he has had back to back really, really good seasons. He had over 1200 yards this last year with 13 touchdowns. The guy is good. He's very, very good. And he should be the focal point for this offense, but you don't want to completely just make it just a running team. You need to be able to have more than nine passing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You just need to. Um, if you want to be able to to win some more games, because you don't see the top teams only having nine passing touchdowns for the season. You know, I mean, that's in two games for some good ones. I I, I think that Shermer will be important. I think being able to balance that run pass is going to be... Uh, very interesting for for this team. They again, I want to stress how how desperately they need to be better on third down conversions. They were 102nd in the nation last year on converting on third downs. They need to be able to do a better job of holding the football, grinding out time of possession, and being able to spread the field. Mm-hmm. Really spread the field, and and I think that um, you do that. And you're able to come up with some bigger plays, start to be a little bit of a a big play offense. You start to win some more games. You start to see a little bit more of a spark out there on the field. And and I think that that's that's a really, really big thing. But that's something that you're going to have to ask more out of Shermer Mm -hmm. for because... This that hasn't been Vandy for a little while, and that's why for a little while they haven't been one of those teams that is very much talked about. Well, and this is kind of a complete 180 from the team we just talked about in the Mizzou Tigers because with Mizzou, it was the offense was really good, the defense was the thing that struggled for Vanderbilt. It was the offense and the quarterback play struggled for most of the season, minus the last two. But the defense had them in games. I look at most of their losses, South Carolina, Florida, who was the 23rd ranked team at the time, Kentucky, Auburn, which was a number nine ranked team at the time, and then at Mizzou, I look at each of those games. South Carolina, you only lost by three points. You give me one more score, you win that game. You look at Florida. It was 13 to 6. The scores that you were talking about, oh yeah, when usually when that happens, you don't see that a lot. There it is. That's a low scoring game. The offense couldn't put up more than six points. Look at Kentucky, you lose by seven. Auburn, you lose 23 to 16. Mizzou, you lose by nine points. I look at those games, and to me, I look at it and go, 
the defense gate like if you're giving up 20 21 points in a game your defense did a pretty good job like if with how offenses are in this day and age either NFL or college if you're giving up 21 points I can live with that because I'm expecting my offense on the other side to put up more points than 21 points in a game. But when your offense is sitting there scoring 16, 17, 13, and six points in some big key games, you're not going to win those games. And I didn't even mention the Georgia Tech game where they got blown out 38-7. to They only scored one score in that game. So I look at this Vandy team, and that is a prime reason why I feel like if Mizzou picks it up, Vanderbilt could be the team this year in the East that slides on down to that last place spot in the in the division. Well, Ricky, I'll tell you what. From September 23rd to October 7th, I would not want to be Vandy because they're playing Alabama mm-hmm. at home. They're on the road to Florida, then they're home again versus Georgia. Yep. And even on October 14th, they go on the road to play Ole Miss. And and I know that people will say, well, well, we beat Georgia last year, and we got really, mm-hmm. we've gotten really close to Florida the last couple of years. And that that doesn't mean that you won't get close again. That doesn't mean that you may you may beat Florida this year too. But when you look at you know when you look at the fact that Florida can put up some points, and we we're not sure exactly how their quarterback situation is going to go this year. Um, but you just you know what Florida is usually going to give you, mm-hmm. Vandy. You have your defense to kind of fall on. And be like, okay, well, we got a good D, so we can at least kind of hold them down or hope to be able to hold them down. But what are you going to do offensively? What are you going to do offensively? Because the last two years you've played Florida, the offense has not, they've stayed on the bus. They have not come to play. You lost last year 13 to 6. You lost the year before 9 to 7. The last time you beat Florida was 2013. Can you do it? Yeah, you're sniffing close. But if your offense had a little bit more life, a little bit more spark, Bark. Mm-hmm. Your defense is clearly keeping you in the game. Well, and there's you, you need to be able to move that football. And I think a lot of the stuff that we talked about in the in the opening part of this mm-hmm. segment is a big key to a win against Florida this year. Now, Alabama, I, I wouldn't expect you to beat Alabama, but for you, for if you're Vanderbilt and if you beat Florida, that's that's like your national championship game, I I think. Mm-hmm. If you beat Florida, it's like, got them. And now it's not like, you know, you don't go out and try and win the rest of your games. If Then if you beat Georgia, if you beat a Tennessee, that's just, you know, cherries on top. You beat Tennessee last year. You beat Florida, Georgia last year. Florida's that team. Florida's that team that you're just coming close enough, but not getting them. Well, and to me, there's two things why the defense was so good last year. Two areas that they excelled in. Red zone defense Mm -hmm. and limiting big plays. That was it. The big thing that this defense, though, is going to have to get past is Zach Cunningham. He's in the NFL now. He's arguably one of the best defensive players that Vandy has ever seen. And that's why the one guy I am looking at to kind of lead this team defensively is their senior linebacker, Oren Burks. He's got to be the guy. He's got, if he can be the leader this team needs and fill that Zach Cunningham role, then I have no problems about the defense. 
I have no problems if he can fill that role because really to me, the biggest loss you are missing on that defense is Zach Cunningham, who was a dominant force for the Commodores. I just, I, I look at the schedule and even the K-State game before Alabama, I would look at that game and go, that's eh, not no cupcake game. Like that, stre- even the stretch, I would say the 16th to the 14th, September 16th to October 14th could be the death march for Vanderbilt. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost all five of those games. The big thing is this offense is going to need to, I'm going to be frank and I'm going to actually, this is something where I'm going to say, sorry for the language, but this offense has to pull their head out of their ass. That's basically what they, if I'm being completely frank and completely down to earth, this offense just has to pull their head out of their ass and get consistent, get going. Because I look at those last two games that they played of the regular season against Old Miss and against Tennessee, and I go, you have it in you. And if I know you have it in you, I know you should be able to have it in you each and every game. I think you're right. I, I think another thing that's really interesting to you know to keep it with the offense on this one because I, I think this one is this team in particular is one that focusing on the offense is a really easy thing mm-hmm. to do. First quarter scoring for Vanderbilt last year. So their opponents ninety two points in the first quarter. Vandy fifty two. They did not get off to fast starts. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing, too, is that, you know, defensively, you overall were pretty good, but offensively, you couldn't get things going early. And the defense wasn't able to stop too many people early. Mm-hmm. You held them under 100 points, that's good, but, you know, still in the 90s. But one big thing is, Vandy, if they got into the red zone, they were scoring 93% of the time. But you got to get into they, the red zone converted in the red zone mm-hmm. and they were 43 of 46 93 percent yes you're right they need to get into the red zone but if you do and you're vandy that's a really good thing mm-hmm. and you want to be able to have that carry over to this next season but it, it ultimately comes down i think with vanderbilt is the fact that they need i think Shermer to really step up be that veteran quarterback be a leader and be able to to stretch the field. If he gets to twenty touchdowns this year, that's that's pretty good. That's that would be eleven more than what he had last season. And I think for for him to do that, that would be great. You keep Webb with the same production that he's had. If he can get the fifteen hundred yards, just keep improving and building off of each season. Fifteen hundred yards, twenty touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the guy is already outstanding. But if he was able to get to that. You you start to see some more action out of this Vanderbilt offense, and if they start to be able to move the ball a little bit more, keep their offense out there a little bit longer, leaving the defense to rest a little bit on the sidelines, they come out, they're refreshed, they're ready to go. I think we could see a different Vanderbilt team, but um, that may be asking a lot for them. Well, and my last thing, a positive for this team moving into this year out of their, they're a very veteran team. 20 of the 22 starters for last year are for this year are in their third year in the program. So they are a majority of upperclassmen on this team. 
this team is going to be competitive this year. I just look at their schedule, and I wonder if those five games we talked about might be enough because you never know if there's going to be a shock game like South Carolina, Kentucky, in the Mizzou game. You don't know if one of those teams is just going to get the better better end of you, if it's just going to be an any given Saturday to- sort of situation. I think this team is going to be competitive. I just wonder if in the end we are looking at it and saying, yeah, no, this team is better than last year. I wonder if we'll look at the record at the end of the year and go, wow, this team had the talent to get it done. They just couldn't get it done this year. I'll be honest with you and say, you know, now that we've talked about the first two teams Mm -hmm. uh, from the bottom up in the the SEC East, if I were to pick a team to be at the bottom out of the first two, it's Vandy. Mm -hmm. I I just I, I, I see Vandy as they have what they have is they have some opportunity. But I think that if you look at both teams, does Mizzou's defense need some work? It does. Their offense is in a better, much better place, I think, than Vanderbilt's. Vandy's offense is still in limbo. They they still don't have those big plays. Uh, and because of that, I, I have to put Mizzou ahead of them. And right now I would have Vandy in the in the cellar. As John Madden would say, he can't win if he can't score. And that's as simple as it gets for Vanderbilt, especially when your offense is the one that's struggling. But I want to turn it on to you guys. Vanderbilt fans, let us know. Down below what you guys think. What do you expect from this team this year? Do you expect the offense to be better? How about your defense? Some would say that this defense took a slight step back last year, and they were still pretty good, especially in, like I said, red zone defense and against the big play. Let us know what you think about the Commodores heading into the 2017 season. And, Brandon, we're going to move right along into the South Carolina Gamecocks and I want to do something differently for the Gamecocks. And the first two teams that we've previewed thus far, we've looked at the offense and the defense or something with the actual team on the field. I want to start this little preview for this podcast off uh, with the schedule because the thing with the Gamecocks schedule this year to me is they start the season against a tough opponent They end the season against a very tough opponent. And then I think in the middle, they have about half a dozen games that could be toss-up games and could go either way, depending on how you are thinking of things. And my big thing is I look at their first game, NC State. It's a neutral site game. This is going to be a tough game only in the sense of it's a tougher opponent than some of the games on your schedule. Tougher than Vanderbilt. I would say tougher than Mizzou. Tougher than Kentucky. If they can get, to me, I look at this, if they can get a win, a solid win on a neutral site against NC State, against the quarterback that we talked about for NC State that's looking to build on another good year, I think that if they set the tone in game one, it could, I know we mentioned that momentum doesn't usually carry over, not all the time, but it could set the tone for this season, and those toss-up games could turn into wins over losses for the Gamecocks in 2017. I think you're right, and I, I think that, uh, you know, one big thing for them is they 
They don't play Alabama. Mm-hmm. They don't play LSU. Mm-hmm. They don't play Auburn. They don't play the big three. And those are huge games to avoid. But they have their season bookended by two ACC teams in NC State and Clemson. <laughs> and I know it's not the same Clemson team. Still We've Clemson. talked about that, but it's still Clemson. And, you know, it's so funny is that uh, you just think to just a couple of years ago, and it doesn't seem like too terribly mm-hmm. long, but at the same time it does, so that didn't really make sense. But <laughs> to, to, to the Steve Spurrier days where, mm-hmm. gosh, South Carolina, we weren't talking about them in the cellar. We were talking about them at the top, the top of that SEC East division. And, you know, Will Muschamp takes over a guy who, you know, is is lauded for his good defense and his you know, fantastic schemes and everything mm-hmm. like that defensively, and that just did not happen last season so much. But I think you take a look at their schedule, and if they're able to beat NC State, if they could get Kentucky, LA Tech, Vandy, mm-hmm. Wolford, so there's five wins. There's five wins. What did they have last year? Six? Six wins last season? I think you already have a base there then if you can get those five wins. And, yeah, all you did last season was win six games. So, name, there's, there, so there's five. Name those, name those five again, just so we get them on the record again. Name I think them. I said NC State, okay. Kentucky, L.A. Tech, Vandy, and Wolford. I'm going to add one. Okay. Texas A&M, there's your six. You hate them so much. I um, think they're taking a step back this year. So, so there could be there could be six. Mm-hmm. NC State. I don't want to say it like, oh, NC State, easy one. No, no, they're 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 not. And, but if they could set that tone, game but, one. But yeah, if you if you are able to come out and, mm-hmm. and win that first game against an ACC um, opponent in, in a you know a, a a formidable ACC team, you know they're not the the. the Top of the crop, but they're not the bottom feeders. I think that that could be a really good way to start your season. And then you've got games like Mizzou. That's kind of one of those flip a coin, mm-hmm. you know, 50-50 games. That could, that could be your six. What about Arkansas? That could be seven. Bowl game. That could be eight. You have an eight-win season. It's two more than last year. You're looking a lot mm-hmm. better than six. It's looking a lot better than a six-win season. Besides the five games that you mentioned, the two that I look for and I look at, yeah, they're both road games, but Texas A&M and Tennessee. Because those are two games where we talked about Texas A&M already. They're a team that is losing a little bit. Plus, this is a big year for Kevin Sumlin because there are many that believe if he well, based on many, his past, one of the biggest ones is Ricky. Well, I'm not the only one. No, I you're am not, one of the biggest. Physically, I'm one of the biggest, but <laughs> I am not the only Kevin Sumlin hot seat generators. No, um, you're that not. are going around, but he is on the hot seat and deservedly so. Um, but then also Tennessee. We haven't gotten to them yet, but they're a team losing their starting quarterback, losing their starting running back. This is a team who. Also has a coach that is usually on the hot seat each and every year and then doesn't get fired in Butch Jones, where I think Tennessee might even take a minor step back last year, which pains me to say because I visited Tennessee a year ago and I really liked their stadium. And I remember saying to Dave, we got to come down here to uh, Rocky Top to take partake 
in a football game one time. But yet you were <laughs> so against them last year. Oh, and you yeah. wanted no, they got them lucky. to lose they got lucky many each times. and every week. Yeah, we would no. be in this yep. same studio mm-hmm. and you were, yep. they won again. They were, they've were they got a horseshoe up their ass. They did. Blah, blah, blah. They had a horseshoe rammed up there as far as you could go. Pretty that, deep. That's what they should they should have lost against Appalachian State. I will never let that game go. But this South Carolina, like, and the thing, the one player I look at for South Carolina is their quarterback in Jake Bentley because he was a guy who last year threw nine touchdowns, um, just over fourteen hundred yards, only four ints, and this is a guy who I think if he takes a step forward. With the offensive talent that he has surrounding him, most importantly, junior wide receiver um, Debo Samuel, who is one of the most dynamic athletes in the SEC. I think if he can use the talent around him productively, this South Carolina team could be a team that is definitely finishing the highest out of Kentucky, Mizzou, and Vandy. But they could even finish maybe third in the division. So, Ricky, let me give you two two stats um, from last season that— Two statistics? Uh, two statistics that really stand out to me. <laughs> okay. And the first one is the entire season, mm-hmm. South Carolina was outscored in every quarter and in overtime. Outscored in every single one. That says something. You can't even you you can't even score more points than an <laughs> opponent in one quarter. No, no, outscored in every single one plus overtime. So you get royally screwed, double screwed, and then sacks for a guy who comes over and Will Muschamp, who I said earlier is a defensive minded guy. Opponents had forty one sacks for two hundred and sixty eight yards total. Mm-hmm. South Carolina had twenty less sacks. 21 overall for 170 yards. That's it? You were only able to bring down the quarterback 21 times when you look at, I think, Alabama, who had the top, who was the top defense in sacks with like 54. It's a huge gap. Mm -hmm. And I I just, that's one thing that I don't understand how you can be a defensive minded guy, yet you don't do well so much defensively but here's one thing that they need to do to be successful is they need to be able to to have a strong defense and i think that what you need to do better is you need to have a better pass rush i think that we all kind of um understood that but i think too is that what they will also need to do is they will need to make sure that their secondary is about as solid as it was last year. So they obviously they need that pass rush, but they need the guys at safety and corner to be solid and be able to come up with some big plays. They need those guys to be able to come up with some with some interceptions. You know, they they returned some of the guys from last year in those positions and they need to take that next step. Uh, and you, you know it's it's it is. It's just it's mind-boggling to me that their defense isn't, you know, some shining piece of their team. And, and you know, we may get some commenters. I may get some commenters <laughs> that tell me to go F myself and that they are. Well, then your team really sucks then because there's nothing 
really right now about this team that's screaming anything like woo to me. Um, and maybe that's because South Carolina, ever since it's been that transition from Steve Spurrier, it mm-hmm. hasn't seemed like it had that same spark. But I, I, I still think though, and we did it right at the beginning of those teams that they could that they could uh, could beat. I think that you still could do that. I think that you still could do that. Uh, you have to take that 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 next step defensively. Um, and on offense, you know, Jake ben- Jake Bentley has to be good for the entire season, you know, not just a half of it. And then maybe you would be able to have those wins. Well, and that's the main reason why when we started this segment, why I wanted to start with the schedule, because the biggest plus that this team has is not any player on this team. It is not any side of the ball. It is something that is just pen and paper, basically, and it's the schedule. You said it earlier. They don't have to play Alabama. They don't have to play Auburn. They don't have to play LSU. They have avoided possibly three of the best teams in this con- in this conference. And, yeah, you got to play Florida. Yeah, you got to play Georgia. I get it. They're in your division. But this team, I look at it, and I know we got one more left to go, in Kentucky, but I feel like out of Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vandy, it's basically going to be a dogfight between those four teams, jockeying for position. And the only thing that's going to change is if Tennessee falls back and they make it five. And it could be a, hey, here's Florida and Georgia at the top fighting for who's going to go to the SEC title game and maybe the college football playoff, and then the rest of the division just kind of jocking for position, trying to get enough wins so that they can become bowl eligible and go to the postseason. But if there's any team in this division that has a favorable schedule, you got to look at the Gamecocks and say, if they just t- all they got to do is even if they just take care of business in their own division. You beat Mizzou, you beat Kentucky, you beat Vandy, you beat um, Texas A&M and Tennessee. There's six games right there. Add NC State, there's seven. Add La Tech, that's eight. Add Warford, that's nine. If you could just take care of business in your division, in your conference, besides Florida and Georgia, you could easily have a nine-win season. That's why... I think out of the bottom five in this conference behind Georgia and Florida, I would not, don't be surprised, I'll say, if South Carolina turns games over, turns them into wins, and finishes third in the division right behind Florida and Georgia. Uh, well, Ricky, I think that you've got a point there, and and I, I think that there's going to be a lot of those games that are kind of the 50-50 games mm-hmm. that could go either way. Um, and I do want to make one more statement um, to, to wrap it up on my end um, is that uh, I, I said when I was talking earlier about the, the stat of this, the sacks, you know, their opponents last year at 41, they only had 21. And people are going to say, well, you know, that's a whole lot. That's a, that's a that's a lot of sacks for them. Um, you no, know, don't 
Don't just just because just because you've had a bad pass rush for a very very long time and the 21 sacks is the most since 2013. Don't tell me that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not Jadavian Clowney good of you know the 43 that they put up back in 2012. But I, I think that you never want to be okay with mediocrity, and uh, you always want to be better, and you always want to continue to have. Um, be be the best at all the positions. So I think that the pass rush is going to be number one uh, to focus on for for this defense, for the South Carolina defense. If they can just put some pressure on some of these quarterbacks and and some of these running quarterbacks, guys who like to get out of the pocket, uh, you kind of force them a little bit more to stay in that pocket mm-hmm. and just be pinpoint accurate. And that's going to be something that we're going to, I think, hopefully see a little bit more about a South Carolina this year. Well, this is where we're going to turn the conversation on to you guys. Let us know down below in the comment section, what do you guys see from South Carolina this year? And really their schedule, that's the one I'm going to harp on, is how many games do you see the Gamecocks winning in 2017? And do you even see their schedule as favorable? Or do you think that we are wrong and they're actually going to lose a ton of games? We might be overlooking some opponents. Let us know down below in the comment section. But Brandon, let's move on into our next team, the Kentucky Wildcats. And to, to me, when I look at Kentucky... Really, it comes down to me, uno game. Uno juego is what it comes down to. I hope that's one game. I think it's one game. Hugo or Hugo. I think I said that right. It's it's one game. You, you get what I'm saying. It's one game. And that's the Louisville game. The game they won 41-38. to 38. And the guy I want to look at is quarterback Steven Johnson. Because in that game, Johnson, 338 passing yards, three touchdowns, one INT, Compared to Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson did not play well in that game. Notice how I am not using the moniker of Lamar Action Jackson because he does not deserve it for that game because he fumbled three times, or he threw three interceptions, basically turned over the ball three times. That is not action-like. So he is just a mere mortal in Lamar Jackson for that game. But Steven Johnson, to me, is the guy that I want to look at going into this season because if he can replicate more performances, more consistent performances like he did against Louisville. And I know that people are going to say, well, Ricky, a Lamar Jackson fumble set us up to win the game. It wasn't all Steven Johnson. Yes. But if Steven Johnson can go and throw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns and one to zero interceptions a game with a QBR of 95.2, I will take that. And if he's able to do that consistently this year, Kentucky, who ended their postseason drought next year, could be going to another bowl game this season. You know, I think that uh, it's it's really interesting because we've kind of talked about some of these quarterbacks and 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 some of these quarterbacks that seem to finally find how good they were and be able to come into their mm-hmm. own in the last part of the season. So to be able to see Stephen Johnson, you know, kind of for a full season of. You know, hopefully being able to play well, this Kentucky team may be a team that is able to really put it together. They've got a solid running game, and what they have prided themselves most on for, mm-hmm. for I think, a while now is that offensive line. That offensive line is a very, very stable piece of this offense. And because of that, I think that, I think because of that, 
it's not going to only be Kentucky basketball that's talked about in Kentucky for much longer. I'm not saying that Kentucky is going to be this team that just bolts right up you to just the top heard and Brandon, beats Florida. You, you just heard it. They're going to they're going to win the SEC and go to the college football playoff this year. At least that's what some people would <laughs> would believe. Oh, he said they're not going to be bad. He obviously means they're going to win it all. Brandon um, saying big, big blue nation in the uh, college football playoff. Right? But I, right, B, right, B. That's but, what you're saying. No, but I but I am I am saying that this team. Has the opportunity to to make strides mm-hmm. moving forward. You know, you lose a couple of pieces. Um, you know, at the running back position, at the wide receiver position, but they still have two uh, veteran guys to be able to pick that up. At least from the receiver position and, and running back, they're still going to be fine as well. The you know the guys that are that are stepping in there with Benjamin Snell and then uh, Sahim King uh, that's kind of rising up as as well. I I. I am intrigued by this offense and, and one reason why I'm also why I'm really intrigued because when you have a dual threat quarterback that means that you've got a guy who can kind of do it all you know we all know mm-hmm. what a dual threat quarterback means and uh, some people um, Deshaun Watson don't like that term I'm not dual threat quarterback but you are yeah but he won the national championship so who's laughing now but he wasn't a dual threat quarterback <laughs> um he was a po- complete pocket passer. Yeah, but but I think that Tom Brady esque. The, the some more would say. the more and more that we see these dual threat quarterbacks, you know, we mm-hmm. we we really like them though. You know, that's the that's the thing is because they they are those shifty guys who can do it all. Who they look like a running back when they're when they're running, and then they you know are solid when they're throwing the football, and they they look like a guy who could sit back in the pocket all day and do it. So. That's what's going to be a lot of fun, I think, to watch for this offense. And you know, I I think that they they lose their their cent, their star center on that line, but they have four starters returning to a really really good group who helped the ground game be so solid. And I would expect it to do the same this year. And and uh, that's kind of where it starts. That's where it starts. Keep the pressure off the quarterback. Open up the holes for the running back, and and, and then you have a, a nice little success pie on the offensive side. You know what I just noticed, and this was this is not necessarily a Kentucky thing. This is a college football thing. What I have noticed is in the and some people are going to be like, "Well, Ricky, duh," but in the NFL, usually it's not dual threat quarterbacks that rule the day. Like, if I look at the last few Super Bowl winners, just their quarterback, Tom Brady, not a dual threat guy. Peyton Manning, not a dual threat guy. Tom Brady, not a dual threat guy. 2014, Russell Wilson, okay, a dual. I'd say a dual threat guy. Broke the mold a little bit. But then there, Joe Flacco, not dual threat. Eli not dual threat, Aaron Rodgers not dual threat. Looking at college football, since Alabama went on their um, two game or their two wins in eleven and twelve, because I wouldn't say in those two years they necessarily had guys that were dual threat guys. But I look at twenty thirteen, Florida State, Jameis Winston, a dual threat guy. Ohio State and their quarterbacks, dual threat guy, especially Cardell Jones, Alabama. With um, Jalen, or with uh, in 2015, dual threat, I believe, there. And then Clemson had the dual threat. Maybe Alabama was the only one that didn't. Maybe they're the ones that I'm thinking of that did not in 2015 because Jalen Hurts' freshman year was last year. So 
Really, unless it's Alabama, I look yeah, at college football. Yeah, because Jake Coker football. was not a no, – yeah. I would not consider him a that's, dual threat guy. That's why I was blanking on who their quarterback was that year. But besides Alabama, it's been dual threat. In but, the NFL, that doesn't branch over as well. But in college football, if if Kentucky can get that going, they can have success in college football. That is my point. It works in college football, and you can be successful with it in college football. It works in college football, but I think the more and more guys now, but 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 I want to say one more thing too, mm-hmm. is that it can it can work in the NFL. We saw what happened with the right with, system. We saw what happened with Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. before he lost his mind, um, and the team became crap. I, I think that he was very very good. As a dual threat quarterback with San Francisco, when they were in the playoffs, they you know beat the Packers and then paved the way to go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He was good. He was a dual threat quarterback, still is a dual threat quarterback, but but he was able to do it. Russell Wilson, he's been able to do it, and I I think that you've got to be able to have the right guy, right type of guy, right system, like you said, and it can work in the NFL. But we're starting to see more and more and more guys mm-hmm. throughout college that that's the type of guy that you know that they that they have and and you know that seems to be that seems to be working and now we've got a lot of dual threat quarterbacks in the SEC mm-hmm. specifically too and you know we we saw it in the ACC SEC I don't know if we see it as much in the Big 10 certainly not the Big 12 mm-hmm. um but I I think that we we start to see that a little bit more it, it it's becoming more of a uh, big highlighted thing in, in college football, and clearly you can win with it. Well, and with Kentucky, because I want to get back to them really quick, because um, I kind of feel like we got off a little bit, and it was did. my fault. My fault. I will blame you. A little bit of a tangy tangent, but the thing I look at with Kentucky is if Johnson can play well, I look at their schedule and I go, they have the same thing in common with South Carolina. They start off with two easy games, in my opinion, Southern Miss and Eastern Kentucky. If they lose either of those games, just pack it up, season's over. They also play Eastern Michigan. If you lose to them, pack it up, season's over. That's three wins right there. Then the rest of your season, besides Louisville, is all SEC games, and you don't play Alabama. You do not play Auburn. You don't play LSU. You play your division, and then the ones from the other division, Old Miss, who we did get comments that maybe we were too hard on Old Miss. However, you know, get back to the top, and then I'll respect you again. That's kind of how I am with that. Were we too hard on them? I maybe a little. I said they were probably going to be the bottom of the of uh, the West again for their respective side. But Old Miss is a team that Kentucky can beat, and that would be a toss up game. If they could win the majority of the games between like those four I was talking about in Mizzou, Vandy, and South Carolina, Kentucky being the other of those four, the only other team you got to play from the other conference is Mississippi State. And then you got Tennessee, who I'm not even sure how Tennessee is going to do this year. So to me, I look at their schedule and I go, it is exactly like South Carolina's. Win the three cupcake games and then just win the majority of those games that are not Florida and Georgia, and you're sitting pretty going to another bowl game for the second straight year. 
Just win three of them, and you're going to a bowl game for the second straight year. So Kentucky, to be able to do that, their defense is going to have to be better, mm-hmm. and their run defense specifically is going to have to be better. They they really let teams uh, through on third down as well, and Kentucky allowed 200 rushing yards or more nine times mm-hmm. on the season, and they allowed over five yards per carry. Um to opposing running backs and 25 scores. Now, what was it that I was saying for Mizzou? They needed to cut down on the amount of rushing touchdowns that they let up. Mm-hmm. They gave up 28. Kind of the same. This, I mean, it, it kind of looks the exact same on the side of Kentucky's defense is that it gave up too much on the ground. And now you don't want to forget about the passing game, but you really want to kind of hone in and focus on that on that rushing defense. So I, I think pass rush should be pretty good, though, is that they've they've got, uh, you know, some guys returning there. They're really deep. I, I think that that's going to be the spot that is going to be the big, the big. Yes, we've got something working here. Um, but if they if they are the same defensively against the run, they're not going to win. They're not going to be any better than what they were this year, and they could even potentially go backwards. So they really have to cut down on the amount of yards they give up to opposing uh, running backs. I want to ask you this. I'm looking at Athlon Sports and their preview for Kentucky, and this is what they have right at the very end. They have, if the defense improves as well, because they're saying that they said before that that there's talent on the offense to overcome the deficiencies on defense. If defense improves, the Wildcats could be a dark horse candidate in the SEC race. I want to ask you this. I want to be bold, Brandon, because you that's what we do. are here you on the Primetime Podcast. We're brave and we're bold. And I'm going to ask you this. Give me a percentage that this year the Kentucky Wildcats are in the race with Georgia and Florida to win the division. What is your percentage that that is the case? Not that they win it, that they are in the race with Georgia and Florida to win the division. 30. And it's is it all because of the defense? Is it the defense that makes you think, let's pump the brakes on that big guy? I guess it's just because... You last season you won seven games mm-hmm. to make that jump. You know that you know. Boom! You win three more games. That that's where they would have to be to put themselves, I think, in kind of that that contention. You know, you two know two who- two two or three more games, and and I can't even necessarily go through and guarantee them the seven games that they did last year. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, but I'm saying this team can be good. It's got potential to be very well, good. And you but know, I'm, but hold on, I'm not done. Is that I, I, that's one game though? Yeah, I, I, I think that um, the fact that you know you kind of have to see how some of the other teams are are, mm-hmm. are as well. Mizzou's going to be better. Not saying they're going to do win it. Not saying that they're going to be in Could contention be with the game. others. But but you 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 look at some of these teams and and there are here in the middle. 
Here in the middle and even towards the bottom, there's so many. You could toss this one up. Kentucky, South Carolina, toss that one mm-hmm. up. You know, uh, Kentucky, Missouri, toss it up. Mississippi State, I think, is 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 better. They they've got a a pretty solid offensive attack. Tennessee, that could be a toss up. Ole Miss, that could be. Vandy could be. Georgia. You know, I think Georgia probably wins that one. Then Louisville could be a toss-up, you know, especially with how, you know, Kentucky played against them last year really well. So there are so many games where it's 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 kind of like the, you know, the political race. Oh, this one's too close to call. This one's too close to call. Too close to call. You know, we can't, I can't call mm-hmm. for a lot of these wins, um, you know, for any team. You know, some of them I, I, I did. I just kind of, you know, they probably win, but... Um, Let's be honest. Eastern Kentucky could come out and blow blow the wheels off, and then put a shoe up my rear end. But but that's <laughs> but, but that's 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 the thing is that you know whenever you do these previews mm-hmm. and stuff, you you kind of try and get a feel for for where they where they are and and everything like that. But then you you kind of sometimes have the San Francisco Giants. Mm-hmm. Wow, man, these guys are going to be really good this year. <laughs> oh, they only have twenty eight wins. Man, they really aren't good. So and they you'll have those surprises sometimes. So. It doesn't always happen how you think, but I just don't think that Kentucky is going to have enough firepower, um, especially on the defensive side. You've got a lot of work to do to clean mm-hmm. up that running, uh, the, the clean clean up the run defense. You have a lot of work to do to be able to clean that up. So if they're able to do that, then that's when they can start to be in uh, in the talks for being able to compete. At, for, for the top of the uh, SEC East. Well, and I know that the Louisville game I mentioned is one game, but I'm just going off of the there might have been games you won last year that you can't necessarily count to be wins this year because, of course, the cliche goes something about you got to play the game, right? Something like that? That's usually what something we like say. That. Yeah, yeah. You got to actually play the game. If everything was as easy, we'd just crown a crown a champion right now but i want to throw it to you guys let us know down below in the comment section what do you guys think for kentucky what are they going to do this year and what are you excited for when it comes to kentucky football let us know down below in the comment section but brandon let's move on into the top three teams and the first one we're going to look at the georgia bulldogs this was a team that last year finished four and four they were tied with kentucky and tennessee but 8-5 and five overall split right in between them, right behind the Tennessee Vols. And for me, I want to start with, I know that we could start with, oh, it's Kirby Smart's second year, and what improvements will we see? We're going to get to that. I want to start with, to me, the key for this team moving into this year, and that is going to be Jacob Eason. This is a kid last year, just over 2,400 yards, 16 touchdowns, 8 interceptions if he can pick things up and get them going right from the word go this year he has got to be a force to be reckoned with in only his sophomore year if Georgia is going to want to do special things in 2017 yeah I think you're absolutely right I I think that with with Jacob Eason we saw what he was able to do last season at, at quarterback and he wasn't bad he wasn't bad. He was what was he, Ricky? He was a freshman, mm-hmm. you know. And you can't, I, I almost you almost can't expect much more out of a freshman. And I thought Eason absolutely did a formidable job. But but now it's time to take the next step. And you know he's he's had a pretty good spring, I think. And he's going to be a guy who you look at coming into this year, and there's going to be a lot of eyes on him. And why is that? Is because on the other side of the football. 
you have a chance to rival Alabama's defense. Mm-hmm. And it's Kirby Smart. So you know that that's the area no, where they're going to be from? good. He came from Nick Saban's mm-hmm. house, Alabama. And I think that it's going to be, and he ran that defense for, for a little while. So I think that for Eason not to be able to take that next step, you know, he had a, a completion percentage of about 55%. And I, I think that his accuracy, just, he needs to cut down on that and, you know, stretch the field a little bit more, some more big plays. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think that he can do that. But I also think that it's going to be important to note that Nick Chubb is back. He's back for another year. And, and you have a healthy Nick Chubb. And we've talked about this. I feel like we talked about it just a couple of weeks ago, even <laughs> though it was longer than that. But you have a healthy Nick Chubb. And if he's able to stay healthy. We saw what he was able to do when he was healthy a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. And this guy is very good. He's very talented. And he'll help make this offense that much better and take a little pressure off of Eason. But I think that we're going to see a little bit more of some um, run pass, uh, more balance, you know, more balance in, in the run pass game um, and kind of separation there. Uh, under under their offensive coordinator who I, I think has again you know some some things up his sleeve uh to be able to see what he'll be able to do Jim Cheney uh he he gave the uh quote-unquote freshen up um term for this offense and uh give him a couple more options to be able to do and in and, and scheming um around different things that they'll be able to do so mm-hmm. I think that Eason is going to be He's going to be, I don't want to say they live and die by Eason's play, because they won't. He needs but to he improve, will, though. But he will be a guy who, with as good as this defense I think is going to be, the one of the best in the SEC, certainly the best on their side, I I think that he needs to take that next step and see where he gets, mm-hmm. and, and because that that's where either you can take them far or you can hold them back. And I know we already talked about this with Alabama, but that's kind of the same thing with Jalen Hurts. We talked about, okay, you did a really pretty good job in your first year, Jalen, mm-hmm. but now what's the next thing you need to do? What have you done for me lately? Exactly. It's kind of one of those things. And it's it's one of those where, you know, we saw Hurts. He was able to run the football mm-hmm. a whole lot last year, and he ran it really well. But how was he as a passer? And and it's not necessarily the same thing here with Eason because he's a passing quarterback. He's more of a pocket quarterback. But... How is he going to improve on that? And how is he going to take that next step forward? How do you do it? Mm-hmm. And I think he's definitely tried to make those strides here in the offseason. Well, and the reason why I say he's the most important piece is because of that next step. I mean, you look at this team, and they are a top 20 defense. They also have a running back tandem in Nick Chubb and Sonny Michael, who they're going to hold down the fort running the football, and they're going to be a tandem in the backfield that gives Eason some support. He needs to take that next step, and that next step to me is basically, it's not necessarily having a Heisman season. To me, it's, are you going to be the one to lead this team? Are you going to be the if-de-facto leader of this team? When it is crunch time and we're playing Florida, and we're down by a score, are you going to be able to be the one to go ahead and bring us to victory? And that is what he needs to do. Because last year, Florida's defense 
only let him score one touchdown, and he didn't have he didn't even have a buck fifty through the air. Now, to be honest, that defense also shut down Nick Chubb in that game. Nick Chubb had had longest yard longest run last year against Florida, seven yards. Only had nine carries for twenty yards in that game. So, to me, I look at it where some of the big reasons why Georgia couldn't do anything last year was three of their four law or three of their five losses. Pardon me came against crucial teams. Yeah, you beat Auburn, which was a number nine team in the nation when you beat them, but Old Miss, you get blown out of the water 45-14. to 14. Not saying Old Miss was bad. I'm just saying you got blown out of the water. Tennessee, you end up losing by three points at home. Vanderbilt, you lose by one point. There's no reason you should have lost to Vanderbilt by a point. You shouldn't even have lost to them at all. And then you lose to Florida, another, like, Old Miss, Tennessee, and Florida. You have to do better against those ranked opponents. And I know people are going to say, Ricky, but we opened the year beating number 22, North Carolina, and they even had Mitch Trubisky, who went second overall in the NFL draft. SEC-ranked teams are better than ACC-ranked teams. It is a proven fact, which is funny because Clemson fans are probably going to say, hey, Ricky, uh, which which conference won the national title game over? It's a wash. Alabama beat you the year before. You're tied 1-1. But this year, what's important, Florida, neutral site game, which is basically a road game for both teams. Tennessee, you are going to Knoxville. You're going to Rocky Top this year. Oh, that's right. You also have a road game against Notre Dame. And I know some people would say, well, Ricky, pump the brakes. Notre Dame is kind of on the downcline, per se, they could still be a tough team, especially in South Bend on the road. Georgia's got to win those three games. Oh, yeah, and then on top of it, they play Auburn. Where do they play Auburn, Brandon? On the road. So you play all four of those tough teams, except for Florida, but kind of it is because it's a neutral site game, all of them away from your home stadium. So, Ricky, I've got this team going through on a, on a first couple of rough looks. I've got mm-hmm. this team pegged for nine wins. That's rough to you? Nine is rough? No, 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 no. In a rough look. Oh, okay. In a rough like look. A ru- like, a rough like, like, a, like a rough draft. Okay, I no. I thought you were like, saying, hey, like, hey, Ricky, it's going to be a rough year. I only got nine wins for these guys. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no like roughly just looking at okay, it, I, I think they— I got they, you, I got you. Here's the ones that I think, that they've, that, that I think that they've got. No, uh, is uh, Appalachian State, I think they beat them. Notre Dame, they beat them. Samford, um, so there's three. Tennessee— Vandy, Mizzou, six, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Georgia Tech, and there's nine. Uh, the ones that I've still got... Auburn, Florida, Miss State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Auburn on the road will be interesting. Florida will just be interesting because it's Florida. And You're Missis- high on the Bulldogs. And Mississippi State... You're high on them. The reason is I'm very impressed with Nick Fitzgerald. He's mm-hmm. he's one of the top quarterbacks in in the SEC, either side, east, west, to watch for and to watch out for because the guy really, I thought, impressed me last year. And I I, I am interested to see what they're able to do. But um, 
I, I see Georgia as a very good team, and the reason being is because, if nothing else, they've, they've got a defense that looks very, very, very impressive. And when you've got a, a Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart-led defense, mm-hmm. you know, I talked about Will Muschamp earlier with a guy who's supposed to be this defensive-minded guy, and it just hasn't necessarily worked out um, as well as I think he's wanted it to defensively. But when I say worked out, I mean like one year um, worked out. So people will probably give me crap on, on, uh, on that video, but... Could care less. Um, I think that the defense will carry this team. The running game will be a huge anchor. And I think that Jacob Eason will make some strides. If he's a little bit more accurate, I think that, uh, you know, year one was not a bad year for him. But we mentioned it earlier. He's got to take the next step. And he needs to be confident in his own game mm-hmm. to be able to do that and know that he's got a really good support system in Chubb and uh, even even Sonny Michael behind him to be able to be there and, and, and kind of pick up the slack but push him as well. You, you've got a very good team here in Georgia. It's a young, young-led team because Eason at the helm mm-hmm. as a soft, true sophomore. I, I just I see Georgia being able to be very competitive and and they may be a team who ends up winning the East. And the thing I was going to get to with that point exactly, there are two key games for me on this schedule for them. I think in the end, when everything is said and done, we are going to look at two games. How did you perform in these two games is going to be whether you win or lose the East. October 28th, when you play Florida on a neutral site, you win that game, you have the upper edge on the Gators. The other game, November 11th, one day after our own Dave Oster's birthday, when they go into Auburn to play the Tigers. And the reason why I say that is Florida, and we're going to get to Florida. They're the last one because they won the East last year. They have a similar look. They've got Georgia on the 28th. However, two weeks before that, on October 7th, they have a look at home, though, against LSU. It's going to come down to those two games on each side for each team. I love Which how you, team, whenever you do two or three or whatever, I you end up it. having it be four or six. Well, I do. It comes down it's to these two, two games. Well, it's two on, one, two on one, two on the other. So I got These three games. <laughs> it comes down to these four games. I got to mirror things. I like mirroring things. But it's going to come down to their game they play against each other and then the Auburn-LSU game. Those are the two that it comes down to because I look at it and I see – yeah, Ricky, what if they lose to Georgia Tech just like they lost to Georgia Tech last year? I look at it and I go, well, lucky for them, Florida State and Michigan both play Florida because there's a chance that one of those two teams might be able to bite the Gators to where it's like, okay, they're not they're not ahead of you in any kind of playoff ranking. Even though really it comes down to with these two teams, it's going to come down to how do you do in conference? Because which one's going to play right now for me? Alabama in the title game. Well, the conference title game, I should say. Well, we've got you know a couple more teams to go, but I was going to say we got a couple but, more months to go. <laughs> but I, I think we've got uh, 
a good look here mm-hmm. at, at the Georgia Bulldogs of a team that really will compete for one of the top spots. Well, and this is where I think that's Brandon's way of saying, let's turn it on to you guys. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Is Jacob Beeson going to take that next step? What do you see for this team? What are some big games on the schedule? And really, is Georgia going to win the SEC East this year? Let us know down below in the comment section. But Brandon, it is now time to move into a team that I didn't like last year. I'll be completely honest. I thought they were lucky in games, especially the Appalachian State game. They should have lost that game. I'll never get over that game. And, you know, Tennessee fans can call me salty for that. That's just how I am. I feel like they should have lost more games than they won, but maybe this year will be different. And the thing I want to start with the Tennessee Vols is not is Butch Jones going to get fired. This isn't going to be like the Texas A&M preview that we did last week, Brandon. But I want to start with what this team lost because they lost two big pieces on the offensive side. First off, Joshua Dobbs. He is now in the NFL. And then they also lost Jalen Hurd, running back, who transferred to Baylor and is not even in the SEC anymore. He's now in the Big 12, going to be playing for the Baylor Bears. And right now it looks like at quarterback, the two guys that are going to be battling for the spot of starter are Quentin Dormany and then Jarrett Gorantano. They are going to be the ones that are fighting for that. And then at running back to me, I don't really see a guy that's my first-year starter right now because John Kelly only averaged 6.4 yards last season. You've got Karen Phyllis Ames is unproven, and then Ty Chandler, who's an incoming freshman. I'm going to ask you, though, how does Tennessee, how do you see them overcoming the losses of both Dobbs and Hurd coming into 2017? Well, you lean a little bit more on your defense and your special teams, and I think that they are both pretty solid in, in, in those positions. But it's it's funny, in the Athlon Sports article, it says that mm-hmm. the T on the helmet should stand for transformation. <laughs> and it's, it is kind of true because you're losing two guys who have been kind of staple who had been staples there for mm-hmm. for some time and now you're going to be turning it over to some you know a, a junior quarterback and then a you know a red shirt a red shirt freshman um for you know at the quarterback position and then running backs who you know haven't seen a whole lot of time because they haven't needed to mm-hmm. uh with herd back they're getting the, the the bulk of those carries so it is interesting to see how it's going to happen because because depth they don't really have they have the depth at quarterback they don't necessarily have the depth of running back with john kelly um being the main guy i think there carlin um phil's aim is is going to be there he's you know not not proven in any way shape or form uh ty chandler um jawan jennings is going to be um back there for in the receiving core but I think that you look at the the fact that this whole offensive unit, outside of, um, I think, the offensive line, which looks to be fairly strong, is is in question. I, I, I think that, honestly, this team is going to look a lot different than what it did last year. You know, just looking at some of these guys now and and uh, and, and really, honestly taking a look at the fact that they've got nothing Mm -hmm. at the running back position that pops out and goes, okay, they're going to be solid there. 
or they're going to be somewhat solid there. I mean, you you can you can throw up a good question mark right next to it, and for that reason, I don't think that you can put Tennessee as as is a top two in the SEC East side. Well, and that's why I'm putting them as a four. I'm leaving them out of the top three this year because the thing that and that basically being said, I think Kentucky will most likely bump them and go up to number three because the thing that I like with Florida. The thing that I like with Georgia and the thing that I like with Kentucky, all three, Georgia, or Florida's the only one with an asterisk because they have a special situation. All three return their quarterback from last year, Del Rio, Eason, and then Johnson. The only asterisk with Florida, they get graduate transfer Malik Zaire to kind of put into the offense as they see fit. He might even win the job this offseason. And I just don't think that Tennessee, and this is this is what happens, Brandon. I come out, I say that this team ain't going to do anything. I don't think they're going to have the firepower. Then these unproven guys come up and prove me wrong. They have great seasons. Their team does fine. That's usually what happens. But I look at this team and I go, you lose a big player in Dobbs with and you don't have that consistency over from season to season. And then really, like, what Vol fans were probably expecting at the beginning of last year, oh, yeah, we know we're going to lose Dobbs this season, but don't worry, we'll have Jalen Hurd behind him. That'll be kind of an anchor for the new quarterback to get settled. Now you don't even have that anchor in the run game. Your best rushing running back only got just over six yards per carry last season and isn't a huge threat to me at this point. I think that they're mainly at those two positions, too many question marks. Like, they need a guy to step in, especially at the quarterback position, and be solid. If they don't have that, then if they have any problems at the running back position with any of their guys, I don't see them winning a lot of games this year because Georgia Tech to open the season, that's going to be a coin flip game. That's going to be almost like that NC State game we talked about for... Um, the Gamecocks, that's what this game is going to be. However, I'm not optimistic that they win that game, especially with looking at last year how Tennessee comes out in opening games and using that as kind of a trend as well. I know that people are going to say, oh, yeah, but in 2015 we came out and blew out Bowling Green. Yeah, they're Bowling Green. And then you had Utah in our Utah State in 2014. Those are cupcake teams last year. You scheduled what you thought was another cupcake team, and you had to go to overtime to beat them. This year, you don't have that cupcake team. I think they lose that game. I don't think they beat Florida on the road. I don't think they beat Alabama on the road. I don't think they beat Georgia at home. I don't think they beat LSU at home. Right there, that is four losses against tough teams. And guess what? I'm throwing a fifth at you. I don't think they beat Kentucky on the road. So Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Alabama, LSU, all guaranteed losses mapped in with that Georgia Tech. That's a six-loss team this year for me. Six and six at best for the Vols. So I think that... Uh, Remember, that's a rough draft. I need to, I need to point this out to people <laughs> that Ricky disliked them so much last year, he's going to try and make up 
reasons why they will be worse this year to make himself feel better because he hated them last year. So he'll find a new team to not like, but right now he still doesn't like them, so he's throwing them a shitty bone. Um, he's not even throwing them do a bone, obviously. Do you think any of, any of those games, do you think you'd switch them from muscle yeah, I, to wins? I have this team still as an eight, eight or nine win team. Okay. They're still an eight or nine win team. I mean, they, they still have enough... If, if defensively, defensively, if they, some of the guys that missed the spring drills are able to come back and be ready for the start of the season, they got to stop the and, run though. And you, well, half of the fucking teams in the SEC need to stop the run. <laughs> but I, I think that, uh, pardon me, but I mean they really that, do. That's the hashtag for the podcast. I, hashtag stop the run. I, I yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> or hashtag stop the runs. However you want to say. But uh, well. Hopefully none that's, of us have that's those. A different, that's a problem for a different day, though. But uh, that needs a different plug. But <laughs> I, I think that when you look at this team and and, and look uh, all the questions on offense aside, mm-hmm. you look defensively, you look special teams-wise, and they've got enough there to be able to make sure that they get at least six wins. At least six wins. And then you look and, you know... I, I I don't see this team being any worse than an eight win team. I I I just don't. Mainly because I mean, look at last year. Mm-hmm. They weren't super impressive last year, and they won nine. You know, you would say, and many would, oh, that could have gone either way. You know, they could have easily lost that game. Yeah, well, you know. This year, maybe they there's there's games where it's like, wow, you know, they mm-hmm. they won that game by by a lot. You know, they 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 really well, maybe they win some of the games this year that they still won last year, but mm-hmm. they win in a more not as dramatic. Oh, they won seventeen sixteen in overtime, you know, type thing. It's 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 more of a compelling. They stomped on their throat type win. And I'm not saying that it's going to be, but you've got two quarterbacks who really fit the mold of a solid quarterback. And, you know, I I, I think uh, Joshua Dobbs, he wasn't always strong in every game last season. So if you have mm-hmm. one of these guys or both of these guys come out and be a little stronger than he was and be a um, little bit more consistent than he was as well, quarter to quarter... They could be a, a better overall team, still win the 8-9 games, but be competitive in a, in a different way. And I know what people are going to say. I know what they're going to say already. You know what, Ricky? You're full of crap. We beat Florida last year. We beat Georgia last year. We beat Kentucky last year. Here's my two points. I think Eason's going to get—for Georgia, I think Eason's going to get better. While your team—I am putting— a Big, my big question mark is a quarterback. You need a strong quarterback. You look at Steven Johnson for Kentucky. Yeah, you won 49-36. to 36. Steven Johnson had a bad game. If he steps up this year, like we said, he needs to take the next step too. If he plays better, that could be a win for Kentucky. Like I said with Jacob Eason, I think he is going to take the next step. He he had 211 yards, two touchdowns, one INT against you guys last year, whereas you guys had Joshua Dobbs last year. Also, another player that I forgot to mention that they lost who is now with the New Orleans Saints, who everyone just fell in love with after the Combine, they don't have Alvin Kamara anymore. They don't. So that's two running backs. They've lost their, star, their starting quarterback, 
and two of their running backs. I'm surprised it took us this long to, to mention his name. To Kamara, I saw him on the depth chart, and I was like, you know what? I didn't mention his name, and he is in the NFL. I know that. And then even for the Florida game, yeah, Appleby played well, but I would say that this team, this Florida team, played better under Jack Del, Jack Del Rio's son, Luke Del Rio, and plus Joshua Dobbs had a game. He had four touchdowns in that Florida game, a Joshua Dobbs player who is not going to be here this year. So this year, the moral of my statement is, yes, Ricky, the obvious, this year is going to be different than last year because that's usually how it goes. Different players come in. The games are usually at different places than they were last year. I'm just not high on Tennessee this year. And you know what's going to change? You know what could change that? Is if game number one against Georgia Tech, one of their quarterbacks comes out and lights it up. Proves me wrong. And then I say, okay, I retract my statement. That's what needs to happen for me. Well, here's the thing is that people cannot say, well, Ricky, we beat this team and we beat this team last year. That's freaking great. It's over. (laughs) But I think that at the same time, you need to be Mm -hmm. able to come in and you want to be able to have the high hopes of, you know, we're we're still going to be able to be competitive. Mm -hmm. Tennessee's, I don't see Tennessee falling off so far where they're, you know, middle to low uh, part of the bottom part of the pack. I just, I just don't see them see them doing that that's not a butch jones team Mm -hmm. and as much as you may dislike it a butch jones team at least for the last couple of years has been you know lucky enough to be able to and in certain instances you know it's not all luck but it's also not all talent you have to be a little lucky as well sometimes and that's what that you know that's just what happened in a couple of those games for tennessee but i don't I just don't see them falling off so far to the point where they lose six games and they go, you know, seven and six. I just I I don't necessarily see mm-hmm. that from them this year because, you know, like a lot of other teams, they need to be able to stop the run like you mentioned. But they are in such a better spot defensively than some of the other teams in the SEC and in the East I think they're going to be okay. You know, do they come out and do they beat in Alabama? They probably don't. But you know, I think that they'll they'll be they'll be competitive against an LSU. They'll be competitive against a Kentucky. And you know, they could be competitive against a a, a Georgia. Um Florida Florida is just a team that really in my mind I I always hold Florida so high. Um, I just kind of I hold them up there with Alabama, like Alabama and Florida. Those are the two teams that I always mm-hmm. expect to be winning. But I also think that Georgia has such a chance this year. Um, but I don't see Tennessee falling out of that. You know, we talked about the big three in the West. Uh, Tennessee, I still think, is part of that big three in the East. And I, I, I don't count them out. I wouldn't count them in as the winner. But but don't count them out. Do not count them out. And, uh, you know, that you lose some players, but you still keep um, defensively uh, guys intact. If they're if they're healthy, I think they'll be good. My last point that I want to make, and this is not the huge point. That's why I'm leaving it to the end. Whereas Texas A&M, we started their preview off with it. This team has a very similar situation that Texas A&M has. When it comes to their coach, Butch Jones, we always hear whenever people talk about hot seats, 
his name always finds a name to be circled into the hot seat discussion. And here's why I think that that is. And then I'll give the question to you. Past two years. Yeah, he went five and seven and seven and six in his first two. But the past two have been both nine and four seasons with five and three and then four and four records in the conference. This is a, I say, similar situation, although it's less years, similar to Kevin Sumlin. Very consistent record. You're not changing much. The only thing that changed the last two years is you lost an extra um, conference game. You won a non-conference game. This year, does this need to be the year that Butch Jones carries that team over and they're not? Nine and four, let's say they're a 10 win team this year in order to silence critics, or is this going to be a year that they go nine and four or worse? And even going nine and four, the critics still go, Well, see, we can't get past nine and four. Butch Jones needs to be fired. Is this a year where we hear the, f- the torches and the pitchforks get louder? The, well, the critics will always say that that's why they're critics, um, but I think. You know, Butch Jones would be in the category of the teams that need to win now Mm -hmm. and the coaches that need to get their teams in line to win now. And if he's able to take what right now the offense looks to be an offense of, hmm, you know, how will it do? Mm -hmm. Uh, One of those things. I'm really interested to see the production that they're able to get out of the running back position just because the the, the guys back there aren't really known guys. Mm -hmm. Um, They haven't really been leaned on at all because they've had other guys there to do it. Um, So these are guys that are going to be coming out, uh, which is almost, you know, almost like a freshman. And then quarterbacks that uh, haven't really seen much time, if any. I think that if he falls off to the point where it is a seven-win team or it is a six-win team, you know, if by some chance that happens, if he's nine and four, I think he's going to be okay. You know, kind of like with Kevin Sumlin. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned it with Kevin Sumlin. If he stays eight and five, if he's no worse than that, <laughs> he didn't get any worse. But, you know, eventually you want to be looking to see, okay, he's not getting any worse, but he's not getting any better. Mm-hmm. And we're still staying in the same mode of, well, we're not terrible, not good, not terrible, not good. But you you take in, a, I think, a lot of things um, at the end of the day when you, when you look at this. Because let's be honest, it's college, but it's a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a business just like the NFL is. Let's call it what it is. Let's These, call it spade a spade. Let's call it spade a spade. These guys could be getting paid. And let's be honest, too, sometimes they really should be getting paid. Mm-hmm. When you see that Alabama's bringing in all the millions of dollars that they're bringing in, that Nick Saban's making all the money he's making and stuff like that, it's like, you know what? These guys should get paid. And just like it is a business in the NFL, and you have to look and see, okay, how, you know, what's our what's our attendance? Is our attendance good? Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's going on with our fans? What's going on here? What's our ratings here? What's our ratings there? You take you. I, I think that as an athletic director, you take all those things into effect. How is, is is this coach grinding every day? Is he trying to make his players better? Is he trying to do this? Is he not doing enough? And all those things come into effect. It's much. It's much more difficult than just going. Mm, record didn't look that great. Let's get rid of him. 
It can't be like that. So you've got to take in a whole lot more. But if the record is significantly worse, that makes your decision a whole heck of a lot easier when you're looking at everything else. Well, and this is where I'm going to just flip it over to them. Let us know down below what you guys think. Is Butch Jones, is this good? How important of a year is this for Butch Jones? I want to put that, I want to phrase that question that way. Also, let us know do you think Tennessee is going to overcome the holes that they have on offense? How do you see this team doing this year? Are they going to stay as a top three team in their side of the SEC and the SEC East? Let us know down below in the comment section. And Brandon, we're going to move on into the final team that we have to talk about for the SEC East. And that's the Florida Gators. And like you said before we hit the record button, everyone knows they're going to win. Good night, everybody. That, that, that should be the podcast, right? Yeah, can it be? But really, <laughs> we got to talk about the Florida Gators. And really, I want to start with the easy question. The easy one, Malik Zaire transferring from Notre Dame. I know we talked about him a lot more in depth on a previous podcast, but now that it's a little bit closer to the starting, the opening day for the college football season. Do you see Malik Zaire winning this job? And if not, if so, what is he going to bring to Florida and how successful are they going to be with him in 2017? Well, the more and more that I've read up on on the Florida and, and what they're looking like for this year, it, it really looks like Malik Zaire may not be a lock to win that quarterback battle with Felipe Franks, the redshirt freshman there as well. And, you know, he was a top star in the 2016 recruiting class. And this is a guy who certainly is the future, Mm -hmm. looks to be the future at quarterback for Florida. Remember, Malik Zaire has a one year left. This is it. And he chose to transfer, chose to transfer to Florida, where I don't think you do that unless you think you're going to be playing and starting. So this is going to be an interesting battle all the way through until the very first game that you mm-hmm. open up against Michigan. I was going to say, tough opponent. It's going to be a very tough opponent. Again, bookended by two very tough teams, Michigan to start, Florida mm-hmm. State to end. So Florida did not do themselves any favors or make their schedule easy by mm-hmm. any means. They didn't do that. Um, but that's a good thing. But this is the biggest thing. So Austin Appleby and Luke Del Rio, they combined to throw for over 2,800 yards but 18 touchdowns, 15 picks. That's what they were able to combine for last year. Let's just get both of those guys out of the way. And let's talk about these two guys and Felipe Franks and Malik Zaire. Malik Zaire, one thing that I think is just a little mind-boggling with him is that being able to start him without really knowing everything that he can do. Like We saw a little bit of what he could do at, at Notre Dame, but we didn't see enough of it. You know, one was cut short by injury. Others cut short by him just not being the starter anymore because it went to Deshaun Kaiser. We don't truly fully know a full season, I don't I don't think, of what Malik Zaire can do. Now, we really don't know what Felipe Franks can do either mm-hmm. because he hasn't done it yet. Yeah. This is going to be very, very interesting, but Florida really needs... They really, really need a passing game to get going because if they don't do that, if they don't have a strong passing game, and Antonio Callaway, that's, I mean, that's your boy when he's not having his off the field issues. First round, he's going to be a first round pick, Antonio Callaway. Oh my gosh, he is awesome. He's so exciting mm-hmm. to watch. But if he doesn't have someone who can get him the football, Florida may not be that team at the top of the SEC East. 
Well, and to me, that's why I'm looking at Callaway, and then I'm also looking at Jordan Scarlett. They got to be the two guys to help out whichever quarterback. And I know that Antonio Callaway can't be the only one in the receiving core. Mm -hmm. You can never have just one target, but him and Scarlett have to be the guys. I mean, Scarlett was a guy who, in a loaded backfield, emerged as the number one and is coming off a almost 890-yard rushing performance. And he's a small guy, 5'10", 213, kind of like a little wrecking ball back there. And he has he has the capabilities to be in a 1,000-yard rush or something Florida hasn't had or has only had four times, pardon me, in the last 20 years. Not many Florida running backs go for a 1,000 yards. They got to help whoever it is because the thing is with quarterbacks, I know that every time you enter training camp, the coach is going to be like, well, the, the best guy is going to win the job. Well, you got to be really sure about that guy. You got to go to bed, lay your head on your pillow, and basically say, I am making the right choice because this is a schedule, like you said, Brandon, they're doing themselves no favors. No. No favors whatsoever. And I mean, scheduling Michigan to start the season, I like it because as Florida, you're saying we're a college football playoff team. You win this game, you set up the tone for the season that we are a college football playoff team. However, Michigan wants to do the same thing because they want to set the tone for their season because they are going to have to play Penn State. They're going to have to play Ohio State. They're going to play tough opponents in their conference schedule. And then for Florida, they get to play Florida State at the end. Now, the Florida State game I'm not really as worried about because that's at the end of the season. Your team's going to be a lot different from week one all the way to week numero 13 or 12 or whatever week it is. The thing I look at with this Florida team is that Michigan game. That, to me, is the biggest one because what I think can happen is if they can get by Michigan, whoever they have at quarterback does a serviceable job to win them the game, that North Colorado game can then be used as a further testing stone to who is the better quarterback for this team. Ideally, if you're a Gator fan, you you are wishing and you're kind of being like, well, man, why can't that North Colorado game and Michigan game be flipped? Well, because we want to see the big games week one, especially when like Alabama's going up against Florida State. We want to see those big neutral site games the first weekend of the college football season. However, right after North Colorado or Northern Colorado, you got Tennessee and you got Kentucky. Those are going to be tough games only because Tennessee, yeah, I know I'm down on them and I said Florida will beat them, but still they beat you last year. They've got questions, though, at the quarterback and the running back position. Kentucky, to me, I think is the harder one. you got to go on the road. If Johnson can get going with that team that they have, if the quarterback play isn't solid by then, this key, this team could falter, this team could fall. And Florida, to me, although I am confident they will finish either one or two in the division, I think it comes down to either them or Georgia. If they don't lock down that quarterback position right away, it could either kill their college football playoff hopes or even kill their SEC title game hopes. So remember in 2015 in the Citrus Bowl when Michigan won 41-7? to Mm-hmm. Over Florida, so does Florida. Yeah, they remember that too. <laughs> uh, but 
Michigan, a team that we have not yet to talk about, but will in the coming weeks, mm-hmm. they're a team that they've replaced a lot of guys. They've replaced a lot of guys. And this is going to be an interesting game because you take a look at this, and if Florida loses, it, just say, you know, just hang with me here. I'm not saying they will, but I'm just saying if Florida loses, then you've already got one loss to open the season. Mm-hmm. With still LSU to play, mm-hmm. with still Georgia to play, mm-hmm. and then with still Florida State to play. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that would be detrimental. That would be detrimental with all those other teams in there. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the road to the road game to Kentucky, you know, won't scare a lot of uh, Floridians, but um, it, it would be an interesting game. Um, you, I know you wouldn't say it, but Texas A&M is there, you know, at home. That could be a, a a game that could be one of those one of those trap games. But you know, I'm not too big on the the going for the trap games. You're more that guy. But I I, I think that that first game against Michigan is such an important one, mm-hmm. and it's an important one to be able to know and have your quarterback in place. That this is not a time to be, you know. Hmm, who will be the one? You know, uh, well, we'll start with this guy, then we might go with this guy. Mm-mm. Pick a quarterback, go with him, stick with him, stay with him, and he's got to be the one to then carry you through. And 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 that's that's going to be the I think one of the big key points um, as well. But Florida, one of the things they have to be better on is scoring points when they get into the red zone. Mm-hmm. Now they haven't really needed to uh, worry about scoring points as they usually blow teams out. But in in a lot of games that I'm seeing here this year, three specifically: Michigan, four, Michigan. LSU, Georgia, and Florida State, those teams I mentioned just a moment ago. Those are the ones where you get into a spot where you can score, you score. Mm-hmm. They were good in, in, in field goal, 21-25 last year, solid. But they did not do a very good job of converting. I think only converted 20 of 32 times inside the red zone. Thir- excuse me, 30 of 42 trips inside the 20. And in 2015... They were 34 of 51. You can't do that in close games like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, 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 saw, we saw that happen to Michigan last year when they would get down there and they could not convert. They couldn't do it. They turned the ball over. They went, And it ended with them really struggling. And, um, you know, towards the end, things didn't necessarily go their way. But... I think that that's one of the biggest things, too, is is that when it comes down to it, those small things are going to end up being some of the biggest factors for you in those big games. And, and it is. I mean, you, you how many times have we looked back on a game in a big game and saw, man, if they would have, instead of, you know, running it three times trying to get one yard and they couldn't do it, they would, you know, one pass play or passing it three times and they needed one yard. And then they ended up having to settle for a field goal. Mm-hmm. And then they missed the field goal, or they got the field goal, but they could have had. How many times have we seen that in a game, a college football game, and go, they would have only just gotten that one yard and converted? That's how important that ends up being, and especially in those big games. Other teams, they they will not let you off the hook. Well, and that's why I say to me. 
the F- Michigan game and then that Tennessee game are huge only in the fact that if you lose both of those games, I don't mean to sound like an overdramatic, but if you lose both of those games, season's over. Season is over right there, pack it up. And the reason why I say that, if you lose to Michigan, I don't think you're making the college football playoff. And I know people are going to say, whoa, Ricky, whoa, one loss ain't going to kill you. If you lose to Michigan, I don't think you will finish the season with just one loss. Let me just say that. If you lose to Tennessee, now you have two losses, and I don't think you're going to finish the season with two losses throughout the whole You used Tennessee? Well, I'm saying if. I'm saying if you lose to Tennessee. I'm not saying they will. I have them winning that game. But if. If the quarterback position. I was just surprised. Of all teams that you pick, you pick the team that you dislike the most in Tennessee. I'm saying because it's so early. Like we said, Felipe, not proven. Malik Zaire, not proven. If they have a rocky start, that could tank the Gator season because there are four games, key games, four of them. Yes, there could be trap cards all over this place. Texas A&M is one of them. You've activated my trap card. However, there are four games, and I'm glad you got that joke, Brandon. There are four games I look at. Michigan, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida State. Two have huge college football playoff, as Trump would say, huge college football playoff implications, Michigan and Florida State. The other two have huge SEC title game considerations on them. If you lose to Tennessee, then all Georgia needs to do is beat you, and they have the better odds to win the division. If Michigan beats you, then odds are you got to pretty much go perfect the rest of the year in order to make the college football playoff. Because, oh, I forgot this. By the time you, if you do get to the college football play, or the, not the college football playoff, the SEC title game, Brandon, refresh my memory, who's probably going to be sitting there waiting for you? Oh, I think it's going to be Bama. Yeah, and not a chance. Not, not a chance. I got Alabama, I'll, spoiler alert, I got Alabama winning this division. I got Alabama winning this conference. I got Auburn being the second best team in this conference. And they're not even going to get a chance to play for that title game because they're in the same division as Alabama. Florida to me, your key thing. I'm not saying that your season is over. I do not want you to overreact. However, I do want you to understand you got to lock up that quarterback right away. And whichever decision you make, I'm going to say it again, you have to make sure that is the right decision. If you lay your head on your pillow at night and you lay awake wondering if you made the right decision, odds are you didn't make the right decision. And that's going to be the biggest thing that either is good for their season or bad for their season. So an interesting article that I came across that you stumbled upon that I stumbled upon is is one that it it really it's very interesting to me. And I think it would be very interesting to college football fans. We'll put it in the description in general and to Florida fans specifically, is the fact that, yeah, Florida's been really good. They've been they've been winning. You know, there's their half of the conference in the in the East mm-hmm. and they've been winning and they've been blowing teams out. And, and it's been it's been them and it's been Alabama. You know, those have been kind of the teams that have been there for for a while. But the 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 article brings up a really good point of that with all the winning that Florida's done over the last 
couple of seasons. It's made them just good enough to be Outback or Citrus Bowl good, but not college football playoff mm-hmm. good. And it and it, it mentions the fact that Florida needs to be able to be that team that can move to the next level and be that team that not only beats LSU on a given day and and you but but then at the same time lets Vandy in to be close you know in in a game and especially the last couple of seasons mm-hmm. it needs to be this team like the Alabama that is able to come through and roar through some of these teams, win the games that they're supposed to win in dram- not dramatic fashion, but like overwhelming fashion. And I, I think that this is a really, really, really interesting article. And it talks about the fact that whether it's Malik Zaire, whether it's Felipe Franks, they need to be able to open up the passing game, something that Florida's been really unable to get going. I know people will say, well, you know, um, Del Rio was okay or, or you know, Appleby was okay. They were, exactly, that's the problem. They were just okay. They weren't good. Mm-hmm. They weren't great. They didn't do anything dynamic. They need to be able, Florida needs to be able to do something dynamic at quarterback. Otherwise, they will never, they will never beat the Alabamas. They will never be able to be at the, winning the college football playoff. Look at Jalen Hurts. Now, he is a dynamic guy, a dynamic playmaker. And having him there at the quarterback position lets Alabama do their thing and win the games the way they're supposed to win them. Florida needs to be able to get on that same page. They need to be out recruiting some of these people in Georgia and LSU and stuff like that. You know, you need to be able to bring the right guys into your place and you need the dynamic playmakers in place to be able to win. We're going to just post this, the rest of this mm-hmm. article online because I could talk about this for days, yeah. but it's it's a really it's a really good article that basically kind of calls Florida out to you've been good but it's been easy. But you haven't, and you taken haven't the next really step. been anything other than good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can be good and be complacent at the same time. And it, it's time for Florida to take that next step, even though they've been winning and been winning the East. It's time to take that next step. Not only win the East, win the SEC, get a spot in the college football playoff, and make some noise. Well, and I want to now turn the conversation on to you. We got, we've got we talked enough about it. Brandon's going to email me that article so I can put it down below in the description for you guys. But let us know what you guys think. Who's going to be the starting quarterback, either Felipe or Zaire? How do you think Florida does this year? I kind of feel like our kind of preview might have sounded negative. We're not trying to be negative. I am trying to be realistic with Florida and not try to blow smoke up your rear end when it could be a not-so-great season for you guys. However, I, 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 I do think this division comes down to Florida and Georgia in the end. Well, I just want to say, too, is, is I don't think that we're going to see anything but a, a, a probably a pretty mm-hmm. good season from Florida. It's just the fact of, my, my kind of like my whole mm-hmm. point there at the end, and, and the point of, I think, the, the article that I was reading is the fact that it it's time for that next step. It's time for that next step, and the quarterback position is going to be of utmost importance. Whether it's Felipe, whether it's Malik, that guy needs to take it 
to the next level. Well, and this is where you guys come in and let us know down below in the comment section. Also, I want to thank you guys for checking out the Primetime Podcast, whether it's the Florida segment on YouTube, whether it's the full podcast on YouTube, whether you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher. Thank you guys for giving us a part of your day, letting us talk about what we love to talk about, which is college sports with you guys. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ricky Widmer. He's at young underscore swan 19. Most valuable podcast is at most valuable pod because we're always on there talking about the things we love, which are sports gaming on my side. We, anything that we love, we are voicing our opinions and conversing with you guys even more so than we are right now. I really want to thank you guys for checking out today's podcast. And as always have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.